Reflecting on the water As the sun shuts her eyes Don't know why you're uncovered Watch the tide rolling With the moonlight Everything is silent On this wheezy bed of night to discuss the case of Kiyosha Felix. Her case was somewhat eclipsed by Mickey Shunick, who we've also discussed in another episode. She has been missing now for eight years. She was 15 at the time she went missing, so she should be roughly about 23 years of age. Her whereabouts remain unknown. She went missing officially on April 30th, 2012. It's unclear exactly when because she was not in direct contact with family. It was a few weeks after her birthday. She was born on April 5th, 1997. Kiyosha is described as five feet. She's roughly 120 pounds, African-American. She also had a one-year daughter with her and they were both wardens of the state. At the time she was living in Maison de Mer, a group home for teenage girls who are pregnant or have young children. Vicky Boudreaux, director of Maison de Mer, was quoted in an article saying that Kiyosha was very caring. She was crazy about her baby girl. It's of the opinion of her family and people that knew her that she wouldn't leave her daughter. Kiyosha frequently used her phone and Facebook account prior to disappearing, but neither of which have been active since she has gone missing. During the time of the investigation, a cousin told police that he had been in touch with Kiyosha by phone, which led the Doosan police to pursue this as a runaway and not an endangered missing persons case. The family still maintains that they do not support the runaway theory at the time, the Doosan police interviewed several witnesses who reported through affidavits that Kiyosha was possibly raped by her aunt's boyfriend. The police interviewed several relatives who were initially charged with kidnappings, rape, and obstruction of justice. All of these charges were dropped. There is some rearranging within the Doosan police department, so the Lafayette Police Department then took over her case. The FBI was also asked by the Lafayette Police Department to be involved especially as they were considering that this could possibly be a case of human trafficking. The police are hopeful that Kiyosha is still alive, but that she might be in danger. It is speculated that she could be in the company of a man or a woman, possibly living in Lafayette, Baton Rouge, or Houston. Authorities are more interested in finding Kiyosha, but it's more important than pursuing any criminal charges. The only lead that they did have was a man was caught on surveillance at an AT&T store in Lafayette in 2012. He was not considered a a suspect, but more as a person that might have vital information, as there was a connection to Kiyosha's smartphone. But this case has really gone cold. There hasn't really been any new information. No witnesses have come forward. So if anyone has any information regarding Kiyosha Felix's whereabouts, contact the Lafayette Parish Sheriff's Office. And that's at 337-232-TIPS. Also, you can go to the Black and Missing Foundation. They have a confidential tip line as well. It's really unfortunate. And I think what we see with the Kiyosha Felix case is a representation of those newsworthiness values and how they are shaping the ways in which we cover missing persons cases. We're more likely to cover cases that involve ideal victims ideal victims or typically individuals who are seen as pure and innocent and we need to help them. So that's usually women 
it's typically white women and it's individuals who don't have any deviant background. Right. From what it sounds like, Kiyosha might have had some kind of trouble at home. That might be a correlation there with kids that have a rough home and that do run away. It sounds like in Kiyosha's case, this is maybe not strictly a runaway case. She's not tried to contact anyone in all of these years or made any activity on social media. So it's possible maybe there is an element of human trafficking here as well. It's possible. We know that individuals who are in the foster care system or any sort of social service system are more likely to run away than individuals who live with their primary caregivers, their parents or close relatives like that, because they're struggling at home. So they're more likely to run away from that struggle. They're also more likely to be taken advantage of when they're out in the world. Um, And one of those ways in which is human exploitation or trafficking. We are far more likely to experience trafficking by someone that we know. So individuals are more likely to be trafficked by a family member, a boyfriend or a girlfriend, a close friend, um, someone in their circle than they are by a stranger where they're taken off the street. I think that's kind of a myth that permeates that we need to worry about this stranger danger, this man in the white van that's going to steal you from your driveway. And those cases happen, but they're profoundly rare. The most likely scenario is that we are are hurt by someone that we know and love. And unfortunately, I think the circumstances of Kiyosha's disappearance with some of that, the family problems that they were having and the difficulties in the investigation early on affected the ability to gain a large exposure for her case and also to appropriately investigate her disappearance. That was definitely something notable that the police investigation maybe lost a little bit of time because they had family members coming forward and saying that they had talked to her recently. That wasn't really substantiated later on. So that certainly could have delayed things and been harmful to her case. It sounds like it shaped the investigation or moved it in a direction that perhaps would not lead them successfully to Kyosho. Just to go back to human trafficking, The Advocate actually wrote a great article and there's a really good quote. It says the state's number of state, meaning Louisiana, number of human trafficking victims has increased by roughly 261% between 2014 and 2018. That's a staggering rise that has left officials struggling to help survivors and hunt down traffickers. So this is across the board, a huge problem, and we're seeing it in our own community as well. There were cases here locally where young women were sex trafficked in the state and into Texas. I think part of those statistics, we have to keep in mind that we've become more aware of this as a problem. We've created task forces and services for law enforcement agencies, training organizations. So we're looking at more than we ever were before, which I think also shapes some of those statistics, right? We're more likely to catch it now that our officers are trained on it and we're aware that it's going on. In addition, I think we're more likely to designate those types of victimizations as events of human trafficking than perhaps we were in the past. There used to be prostitution was a totally separate topic than human trafficking. And now we're recognizing that many cases of prostitution, especially with teenagers or young adults, oftentimes are cases of human trafficking. 
instead of perhaps criminalizing or ostracizing that individual participating in sex work, we're more likely to take a different perspective to that and view them as a victim or a person in need. And that might be shaping the ways in which we code and record those instances as well. One more thing to add about this case. It's a good example of just another person kind of falling through the cracks. This was a 15-year-old girl who might have had trouble at home, possibly might have been abused, was living in a shelter with a one-year-old daughter. You just hope that people around her, family members, teachers, and maybe we, as a practice, we start to speak up more when we, we notice maybe child abuse or trouble at home, just so that we don't have these children that keep falling under the radar. And Kiosha. She was a child who needed help. And it seemed that we neglected her and forgot about her as a community over and over again. In a lot of ways, she was eclipsed by the Mankey Shunit case. But I do know that there were a lot of people who were trying in the community to get that same media attention. There were people, I remember, selling t-shirts and holding events and trying to raise awareness about Kiyosha to facilitate some of that media attention. And it just didn't really go anywhere. And I think part of it is that it reflects perhaps some of the bias in our reporting systems, um, in our news outlets, especially in our national news outlets, for their unwillingness to discuss as frequently cases of missing persons who are of color. And it's an injustice until we start recognizing that and having those very hard conversations, uh, then we're not going to change it. I can remember uh, last year, I think it was, or maybe a little longer, where CBS Morning News called me and they said, we want to talk about disparity in the news. Wow. We want to talk about why minorities receive less media attention than others. So I did an over-the-phone interview for 45 minutes. They set everything up for me to go to the local news station and do this big interview. And I was so nervous and excited. And then 15 minutes before, they canceled it. Oh. And they said, mm, we're not really going to run this story anymore. We're moving in a different direction. And I think that just really highlights it. It was less than an hour oh that it was a worthy topic and right. then moved on to the next thing. And I think we as a society are unwilling to acknowledge many of our biases and how um, that permeates all of these aspects of our experiences in our lives. And unfortunately, can affect our missing person cases as well. I guess we tend to gravitate things towards people that we have empathy towards. And the truth of the matter is that Kiyosha was a member of this community, so she definitely warranted some airtime. She was one of ours. And I think, unfortunately, she had some family dynamics that would make her case less newsworthy. Um, she was an unwed teen mother, and that makes her case less newsworthy. Um, she was a person of color. So many factors that I think were against her in that way. Additional newsworthy values. And when we have to think of the media, we have to think that they are trying to make money. So they are going to cover the cases that are going to likely make them money. So they're going to look back and see what has worked as a moneymaker in the past. And what has typically worked as a moneymaker is a young, beautiful white woman going missing. So they are going to focus on those cases than any other dynamic because it's not a safe bet. I'm going to leave the Lafayette Parish Sheriff's Office. That's 337-232-TIPS. And Black and Missing Foundation also has a tip line. If you know anything or know of someone that knows something, please reach out. We'll also leave pictures of Kiosha on our social media. 
All right. Well, this was uh, Missing Magnolias. See you next time. Thank you. Bye.